Imagine this, you sit at a high limits poker table in Vegas with a few heavy rollers. The dealer deals out the cards to all of you and your watch vibrates to let you know that you have a winning hand. Well, I'm Matt Johansson, this is Vulnerable You, and I'm gonna tell you how a few hackers made that a reality this week. This might be the most in the spirit of black hat talk I've ever seen. I heard you like hacking and Vegas, so I hacked Vegas while I was in Vegas. That's what happened this week with some IOActive hackers actually figured out how to hack a card shuffling machine at a poker table. They actually hacked two different machines that are used widely at casinos around Vegas. They developed a mobile app that could actually receive communications wirelessly via Bluetooth, and you could program the mobile app to tell you where you were sitting and where the other people were sitting at the table. And the hack involved knowing exactly which order the cards were in, in the machine, and it could vibrate and let you know when you had a winning hand. The talk went into realistic scenarios that with just a USB drive and access to the machine, you could actually flash the firmware and have uh, access to knowing the exact order of the cards or even perform a shuffle where you tell the cards what order to go into, though that one was a little harder. The researchers have outlined some realistic scenarios where this could actually happen without very much privileged access whatsoever. Many of the casinos have the shufflers USB ports exposed underneath the table. Kudos to IOActive on this one, and if you're interested, I'll link the talk in the description below. If you're wondering why my background's a little bit different this week, I'm actually out in Las Vegas right now at Black Hat and DEF CON. I've been here since Monday, I'm recording this right now on Friday, and if you appreciate that hustle and you like this new format of video, please like and subscribe, uh, or comment below and share with your friends. I really appreciate it, it helps out the channel. Next up, unfortunately, we've got some more sobering news. This week, Rapid7 announced that it would lay off about 18% of its workforce which is about 470 employees. This is just the latest in a long list of security vendors, including NCC Group, Bishop Fox, and HackerOne to do some massive layoffs. All of these firms cited efficiency gains and overhiring in their announcements, but I've got some other thoughts. For those who don't know, most companies under any sort of regulation are required to do some sort of external pen test every year. No matter how good your internal security team, you're required to have a third party perform this assessment for obvious conflict of interest reasons. Many of these security vendors out there only exist to meet this requirement that is huge for all the companies that fall under these sorts of regulations. Having been on both sides of this pen test requirement in my career, I know that the quality of these assessments vary greatly. Sometimes you feel like you're just checking a box. Sometimes you get some great findings for you and your team to go work on and remediate. My guess, and I've heard rumors about this, is that some really massive firms that hire out these external pen tests are not renewing these contracts with some of these vendors that are doing layoffs. It might be, and this is just speculation, that they might have received too many reports too many years in a row that felt like they were just checking a box that didn't have quality findings. Do you think that we're gonna have the market demand to see a shift in higher quality security assessments? I'm interested to see the security industry's reaction action on this and deploying more senior talent on some of these assessments instead of maybe some junior pen testers. What do you all think about this? When hacking group activity escapes our infosec echo chamber and actually makes it into mainstream media, it always intrigues me. In this case today, we're talking about CNN and their covering of LASPIS, the hacking group out of North Korea. The story is about DHS actually investigating LASPIS and their recent breaches of some major corporations. In the headline, they call them teenage hackers, which is a bit dismissive of their skills and their persistence, although it's true for a few of them. The main attack vector discussed in this whole investigation is SIM swapping. If you're not familiar, it's when someone calls up your telecom 
convinces them that they're you and registers a new SIM card to your phone number and can intercept all of your phone calls and text messages. These SIM swapping attacks are actually why SMS-based two-factor authentication codes are frowned upon in the community. I'll take this a step further outside of SIM swapping and say that the whole authentication mechanism between how we authenticate to sites on the internet or even how we SSO into things like Okta and corporations is completely broken. And a lot of these security features are add-ons and they cost more and uh, the lowest common denominator is always going to be phishing and uh, these threat actors just keep succeeding at it over and over again. We really need some big disruption in this area. I am very happy to see the US government putting pressure on the big telecoms on this issue, requiring them to level up their protections on this and uh, require some further verification before handing over full control of your phone number uh, to intercept text messages and phone calls. The hacks discussed in this investigation are actually breaches against companies like Microsoft and Samsung. And the last bit was able to SIM swap employees and uh, receive two-factor codes while they were trying to authenticate into their uh, employee admin systems. This DHS review board is actually also investigating ways to encourage US youth to steer clear of cybercrime. Again, some of these hackers are actually teenagers and the experts are warning that the same thing could happen with some US youths that are interested in cybersecurity. Countries like the UK and the Netherlands actually have robust programs to help steer young hackers away from crime, but the US is sorely lacking in this area. I, for one, look forward to our future government-funded You Wouldn't Download a Car ad campaigns. If you've been paying attention to my writing at all, you know how big of a deal phishing has continued to be this year. The security vendor Proofpoint has put out some great data recently that has detailed a phishing campaign that uses the hacking tool Evil Proxy. This campaign has targeted over 100 different organizations and sent out 120,000 phishing emails. If you're unfamiliar, Proofpoint is an email security vendor and they work with some of the largest corporations on earth and they have a really unique view into a campaign just like this. These proxy tools, Evil Proxy being one of them, there's a few others, make it really easy for hackers to create phishing websites that look exactly like corporate login pages. They look like the corporate login pages because they are. This proxy is just passing through the actual login page, capturing the login information, and even replaying MFA tokens during the login process. So to the users, it looks like they're logging into their real portals because again, they are. It just so happens to be hosted on a phishing domain. According to Proofpoint's research, the list of targeted users include high value targets such as C-level executives and VPs at leading companies. Once a targeted user has provided their credentials, attackers were able to log in to their Microsoft 365 accounts within seconds. This is indicative of a streamlined and automated process on the hacker's side. It's important for all of us to read things like this, learn our lesson, and deploy some anti-phishing countermeasures like WebAuthn auth like YubiKeys. You know what really grinds my gears? Hackers hitting medical providers with attacks and ransomware. Cardiocom is a Canadian healthcare company that monitors patients' heart and EKG info, and they had to take their whole system offline to recover from an attack this week. They also didn't share any info on the attack, so I'm just speculating that it's ransomware because that's usually the kind of attack that requires a full system shutdown to recover from something like this. They say that no patient data was stolen, but if you're a hacker that's putting people's lives in risk because they can't get access to their cardiac medical information or an EKG result, you're the lowest of the low. That's all we've got for Vulnerable You this week. 
Were you out in Vegas with me? Did you run into me? I got to meet some of you that actually read the newsletter or watch the YouTube, and I got a lot of great feedback and I really appreciate it. If you were out here, what was your favorite talk or what was your favorite party that you went to? Uh, leave some comments below or hit me up on Twitter. Don't forget to share this uh, video with your friends or colleagues, like and subscribe. It really helps the channel as we're getting started. I appreciate it. I'll see you next week.